This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Man, I am so excited to share with you this morning. As we kick off 2013, it is going to be a great year. If you're a guest with us this morning and we haven't met yet, my name is Kevin and I have the privilege of being on staff here at New Life and sharing with you for the next 30 minutes or so uh, about some of the things that God's been bringing up in our community as we've been praying and getting ready for 2013. And if you are a guest with us today, this is probably the best Sunday for you to be here because every Sunday is the best Sunday for you to be here. And this Sunday happens to be today. So not only is today the best Sunday because it's today, today is the best Sunday because we are at our halfway point of this two-year journey that we're calling the Take Hold Initiative. The Take Hold Initiative is basically this. God created us. He wants us to experience a full life, a life of, of mission and, and purpose, a life where our relationships are working the way they're supposed to. He wants us to experience what the Bible calls eternal life, not just someday when we die, but today, here. And so we've been on this two-year journey taking hold of that life, because that life is not something that just kind of is given to us. We have to grab it. We have to hold on to it. We have to wrestle with life to experience all that God created us for. And so we're going to be digging into our second year of this two-year journey with a series that I am I'm really excited about called We Fit. And We Fit is all about a new you for a new year. We Fit is all about experiencing a healthy lifestyle because the truth is, if we aren't healthy, we're not going to be here long enough to experience the life that God has for us. And so I want to say right up front, I'm not necessarily talking about weight loss. Uh, For some of us, it might be weight gain or at least eating healthy. But I am talking about experiencing um, the health that we are created to experience in our, our bodies. And I've been thinking about this and wrestling with this for a long time because I wanted to preach this sermon, but I thought, is this something really we should get into in church, right? We're a church. We talk about spiritual things. This is health. This is our body. It's, it's a new year. Everyone's kind of talking about that kind of stuff. And then I realized that this topic is a deeply spiritual topic. Health, healthy living, experiencing the life we were created for in our bodies is deeply spiritual. And here's why. And by the way, uh, inside your programs, you have some teaching notes. You're probably going to want to pull those out and follow along. It's got the scripture, some fill in the blanks. Uh, There's also a connect card here that you're going to want to fill out at some point because we'll be turning them in later and using them for some things a little bit later. Uh, But here's why I say this is a deeply spiritual issue. The Bible says, Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says this, the thief, the enemy... The enemy of God and the enemy of you and I, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life, and you might have life to the full, life to the fullest. See, Jesus wants us to experience an abundant life in all areas, but poor health is robbing millions of Americans of the life we are created for. The enemy, the Bible says, Jesus says this enemy, he wants to steal your life away. He wants to limit your effectiveness. He wants to limit you. And so he's going he's to use health to do that. But God wants us to experience full life, full health in all areas, including our physical bodies. And it's spiritual because there's an enemy who's just sneaking in there, trying to convince you that being unhealthy is okay and it won't bother you, but it, it will. See, uh, our health affects a ton of us. I did some research and found out that seven out of 
10 Americans is, is overweight. 69% of us, 7 out of 10 Americans, which is leading to an increase in heart disease and diabetes, uh, which is affecting your family, which is affecting your finances because of health care, uh, which is affecting the way that you can experience everything you are supposed to experience. Globally, here's some good news, infectious diseases around the world are going down, but at the same time, as infectious diseases are going down, chronic diseases are going up. So for example, in 2022, they're projecting that something like 20 million people will die of infectious diseases, which is going down, while 50 million people will die of weight-related diseases. Infectious diseases are going down. Diseases caused by our weight is rising. The enemy comes to, to kill, to steal, and destroy. Jesus says, I came that you might have life, full life, real life. Did you know that more people are dying now of obesity than are dying of malnutrition? That's the first time in human history that that's been true. More people dying of obesity, of weight-related diseases, than of malnutrition around the world. But it's not just a weight issue. See, as Americans, uh, there's lots of issues that affect our health, like sleep. Uh, And I'm not talking about you have a newborn, you don't get any sleep. I'm talking about you just have a bad sleep pattern. Did you know that if you sleep for less than six hours a night, you're getting less blood to your brain than you're supposed to, which affects your decision-making? which affects the way you interact with your spouse and your kids because you just think you're cranky. They just think you're cranky. But the truth is you're not getting the blood to your brain that you need to make the decisions to say the things you want to say. So it's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your job. It's affecting your kids. It's affecting everything, everything. But God wants us to experience full life, which is why we're kicking off this brand new series, We Fit, as we head into 2013. Because if we can't have a healthy experience in our bodies, we're not going to be able to experience the relationships God wants for us and the other areas that God has planned for us. So here's what we're going to be doing for the rest of January. We're going to be hitting on a couple topics. Next week, what does God say about my body? Uh, The week after that, how should I view the challenges that come up based on what God says about my body? How do I engage with them? How do I uh, act around them? Are they difficulties? Are they opportunities? What is God laying out for us? And then the last week, we're going to talk about supersizing our goals. I thought that was funny. Supersize, get it? Because we're talking about food and and our body. I thought that was, okay. I got two more services to hit that, hit that strong. Supersize our goals. Yeah, we're going to supersize. We're going to basically, supersizing our goals just means uh, how do I bring God into it? Not just my goals, but the goals that God would want me to set. And today we're talking about something that I think sets this whole thing up really well that I'm really excited about. Today we're talking about how do we experience lasting change? Lasting change. Because if you're like me, uh, you've set goals before and ditched them. How many of you ever set a goal ever in your life, set a goal and then ditched it? Go ahead and raise your hand. Now look around. Just look. Keep them up. No, keep them down. Don't be ashamed. We're all in the same boat. Yeah, set a goal and missed it. One half to two-thirds of the people that set New Year's resolutions within the first month will have ditched all of their resolutions completely. So like a half to a third of the people will keep some of them, one or two, but the majority of us that set goals, we ditch them completely in the first month. But God wants us to set goals and to keep goals. God wants us to to, uh, have life change that lasts. And the number one reason that life change doesn't last, and we're going to be talking about this, massaging it throughout the morning, is because... We set goals based on external circumstances, external action instead of internal change. We focus just on the external. 
I'm going to start a new diet plan. I'm going to be nicer to that person. I'm going to get up earlier. We start based on external change, but when times get tough, we abandon things if they're just external. Let's talk about it this way. Uh, If you're married, if you're married, remember when you first got married? It was all rainbows and candlelight and afternoon delight. It was just a great time, right? You just, it was easy to be married. You came home and you had candlelit dinners and you had deep conversations, which led to you having intimate encounters with your spouse. And it was just beautiful and wonderful and you loved it. But a few years and a few kids later, foreplay was elbowing your spouse as you fell into bed, right? Whispering sweet nothings came to, hey, babe, are you still awake? I think the kids are asleep. Lock the door. What happened? What happened to the romance? Some of you are saying, yeah, what you hit me? Don't hit her. Don't hit him. Okay. Here's what happened to the romance. It was external. Unless it was sunk deep inside of you to keep romance alive in your marriage, you lost it because life happened. Things got busy. You got busy. You had kids. You had a job. And if things are simply external, if they're not sunk deep inside of us, when life happens, when we get busy, we ditch the things that are hard. We ditch the diet. We ditch the working out. We ditch uh, the community aspect. We ditch the, the, the difficult aspects of parenting our children through rough years because it's just too hard. And if it's just external, when it gets hard, we ditch it. I remember, uh, for some of you who don't know, if you've been around, you know this, I smoked for like three years in my early 20s. Uh, and I remember for about a year and a half, I tried to quit smoking. I was up to like a half a pack, three quarters of a pack a day. So I was, I mean, I was going for it. I'm not a, I'm not a quitter, you know? Quitters never win and winners never quit. And so um, I was going for it and I was doing pretty darn good. And I'd smoke like a half a pack a day and then I decided I'm going to quit. And anyone who's ever been a smoker and tried to quit, you've had this experience. You go out, you buy a pack of cigarettes, you smoke one, you soak the rest and throw them away and say, I'm never smoking again only to get up two or three days later, go buy another pack of cigarettes, smoke one, soak it, throw it away. I just couldn't quit. I tried and tried for like a year. Could not quit smoking. And then one day a buddy of mine came up to me and he said, Kevin, when do you smoke the most? I thought about it. I said, you know, I think I really smoke the most when I'm stressed out. I was a college student, so that was pretty much all the time. When I'm stressed out, when I'm tired, uh, when I'm sad, Or when I'm angry, that's when I smoke the most. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, when you're tired, when you're stressed out, when you're angry and when you're sad, that's when God wants you to engage with him. He wants to take that anger and stress and anxiety and he wants to heal you of it. And when he said that, something clicked inside of me because the whole time it had been external, I was trying to quit externally because I wanted to quit smoking, but what I needed was to have an internal shift in my thinking, in the way I understood smoking. See, smoking for me wasn't primarily a physical issue. Smoking was primarily a spiritual issue that had physical outcomes. I smoked because I had something going on inside of me, and so I smoked. So I couldn't just go to the physical. I had to go to the spiritual. See, we are spiritual creatures, And most of our physical responses are based on a deep spiritual thing. Our weight, the way we relate to food, it's not just physical. That's why diets don't work. You can't just go on a diet because we have to figure out why we relate to food, the way we relate to food, why we we relate to exercise, the way we relate 
to exercise. See, lasting change begins with a shift in thinking, not with an action step. Lasting change is actually a spiritual matter that has physical outcomes. And there's a guy that wrote the majority of the New Testament named Paul. And in Romans chapter 12, he talks to the people about lasting change. But he says something really interesting. Paul doesn't start off by saying, here's a new plan. Here's three new steps. Here's two new practices. Here's a new diet. Here's a new way to work out. Paul talks about lasting change this way in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not conform. If you want to change, do not conform to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, his perfect will. To conform basically means to be the same as everyone else. He says, don't act the same way everyone else does, because if you do what everyone else does, you're going to get what everyone else gets. And we already said 95% of diets fail in the first two years. So if you want to just do what everyone else does and get what everyone else gets, go on a diet in 2013 if you want to lose weight. We'll see you in 2015. We'll talk about this again. I didn't make up the stat. I'm just reading it. And you, I found it on the internet. And you know that everything on the internet is totally true. So you can believe it. Okay, I just, I want to be clear about that. So he says, don't conform. Don't conform. Don't do what the world does unless you want to get what the world gets. Instead, be transformed. And transformed is like an inner character change. It's a change in your condition. It's something that happens inside. Don't conform. Don't act a certain way. Be transformed. Change your condition by changing the way you think. We'll say it this way. Conforming is an outward act. I do what you do. That's conforming. I do what everyone else does. I do what my uh, people at work do, my coworkers do, I do what other marriages do, and I get what other marriages get. I get what other coworkers get. I do what you do, I get what you get. Transformation is an inward or an internal act. And according to the Bible, God wants us to have an internal act, a transformation. And listen, we should listen to God because he created us. We should hear what God says about our bodies because he made our bodies and he knows the way our bodies work and he knows the way that lasting change works. God knows that if we want to have a new start this year, it's going to start here and it's going to start here. It doesn't start here. No, I'm not dancing. We had a flash mob at Christmas Eve and I danced. We're not dancing today. It starts with our head. It starts with our heart. And I want to be really clear because if you're like me, I've had to wrestle with this topic a lot before I preached it because I love food. I mean, I love food. And I probably have an unhealthy relationship to food that God's kind of bringing up for me right now. But I want to say this. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, God just wants something from me. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And there's a difference. He wants freedom for you. He wants health for you. He wants you to have a full life with your family and with your kids and with your friends. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And that thing that he wants for you is a really, really good thing. And so what I want to do for the rest of this morning is I want to talk about three things that we can do to ensure that we have lasting success in the changes we're trying to make in our lives. Three things we can do. The first two are words, and the third one is a way of living, a way of being. And here they are. Okay, but before I say the first two words— I want to warn you. You're going to hear these, and it could bring up some 
tension for you, some turmoil for you. Especially if you were raised in the church and then you left for a long time. You probably left because someone misused or abused these words, okay? But bear with me because these words are incredibly freeing. These words are really good for us, and these words are keys to transformation. So here are the two words we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about confession and repentance. Ooh, confess, repent. Confess, repent. Not bad words. They've just been abused. They're not bad, but they've been misused. Here's what confession is. Confession is basically saying the same things about me that God says about me. Saying the same things about life that God says about life. That's confessing. I say, let's say about my wife, what God says about my wife. I don't say about my wife what I think about my wife all the time. That gets me in trouble. I say about my wife what God says about my wife. That's confession. I say about my body what God says about my body. I say about my kids what God says about my kids. I say about my enemies what God says about my enemies. That's confession. Saying what God says. And here's why confession's so important. Have you ever started daydreaming? And all of a sudden you, you woke up and you thought to yourself, why on earth was I thinking about that? I should not have been thinking about that. I'm glad no one else knows I was thinking about that. You ever had that moment? Yeah, yeah, you have. Some of you honest people are there. That ones are lying right now. That's cool. That's cool. I know what you're thinking. God created our minds. He created the way that we think, our thought process. But over the course of our lives, our minds begin to drift away from God. They drift away from God because of the advertising we see. They drift away from God because of our life experiences. They drift away from God because of pain and hurt. Our minds drift away from God. And what confession does is confession brings our minds back into line with God. Confession says, I know I, I, I say these things, I think these things, I believe these things. But God says something totally different, and I'm going to say what God says. I'm going to choose to say the things about me that God says about me. Renewing our minds starts by saying what God says. And how do we know what God says? We know what God says because he wrote it down in the Bible. That's why, man, I stand up here all the time and I say, you got to read your Bible. you got to read your Bible. If you want to know God, you got to read your Bible. God reveals himself in the Bible— And when we read the Bible, we begin to see who God is and what he says, and then we can confess that same thing. Here's the good news about what God says in the Bible. And you might not believe me, but I I would just ask you to, to take my word for it right now and then go and read on your own when you get home. Everything God says in the Bible is good for you. Every single thing God says is good for us. Doesn't always seem good in the moment. It really doesn't. I, I remember being, dating my wife and getting engaged. And for those of you who are single, I remember being in love and being attracted to my spouse and thinking, I just want to have sex with you. But God says not to until you get married. That doesn't seem good. That seems bad. But I'll, I've also talked to so many people who have decided to go beyond what God says before they get married. And then the relationship fails, and they're heartbroken, and they've given a piece of themselves away to somebody, and they can never get it back. And they cry and cry and cry. Why? Because they didn't say what God said, and they hurt themselves, because everything God says is good. I remember when I wanted to quit smoking, uh, it seemed like God was just trying to take away smoking from me. 
I liked those little flavor sticks. They were delicious. I smoked menthol cigarettes, uh, which kind of tasted like smoking a candy cane, okay, if you haven't ever done it before. It was the way I brushed my teeth in the morning. Yeah, with coffee. And I thought, God, why do you want to take away smoking from me? I've given you a lot of areas of my life. Why smoking? Smoking is good. I like it. And then I realized God didn't want to take away smoking from me. God wanted to take away my stress. God wanted to take away my anger. God wanted to take away my loneliness and my sadness. And smoking only took it away for five minutes while I had a cigarette. God wanted to take away for my life. See, God doesn't want to take from you. He wants to give to you. Everything that God says for you is good for you. And when I had that internal mind shift, all of a sudden I was free to quit smoking. I was empowered by God to quit smoking and I didn't feel like God was taking cigarettes from me. I felt like he was freeing me up by taking my hurt, my pain, my loneliness. And that's what God wants to do. So it doesn't always seem like saying what God says is the right thing. But I can tell you from experience and I can tell you from hearing people who are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years older than me that every time we do what God says, it goes good for us. And every time we don't, in the end, it it doesn't. It doesn't. So confession means saying what God says, but it goes a whole lot deeper than that. We can't just say what God says. We need to think what God thinks. And that is repentance. Repentance is literally to change the way that we think. Repentance is a mind shift. It's a paradigm shift. Repentance says, I used to think this way. Now I think this way. Now I didn't say, I used to do these things. Now I do these things. That comes later. Repentance is not a changing in what we do. Repentance is a changing in what we think. Married couples, I love the couples that succeed. Couples that succeed in marriage long-term, the couples that you want to be around, the couples whose house you want to go to dinner at, they understand repentance because they repented when they got married. Because when, when single people are single, they think in terms of me. What do I want to do tonight? Where do I want to go? What do I want to eat? When do I want to go to bed? But when you get married, you have to think in terms of we. Where do we want to go? What do we want to eat? When are we going to go to bed? And the couples that succeed, they repent. They change from me to we. And the couples whose marriages oftentimes fail are couples that don't repent. They keep thinking in terms of me, even though they're a we. See, repentance is not an action. It's a mind shift. It's a, it's a change in, in absolutely every way that we think. And I love the couples who have been married. We have a few couples in the church married 50 years, 60 years. And they think in terms of we not in terms of me. And here's why that's so important. We can't just change our behaviors until we change the way we think. If we really want to change our behaviors, we have to do what Paul says. We have to renew our minds. We need to change our thoughts. We need to repent. So here's how confession and repentance works out, okay? If you go to the fridge for ice cream every time you're stressed out, It's going to be really hard to stop going to the fridge for ice cream every time you're stressed out until you figure out what's going on inside that drives you to get ice cream. So here's here's how that, that could play out. Okay, God says that I can engage with him when I'm stressed out. 
He wants me to remember that food won't give me the long-term peace that I need. I'm still going to be stressed out, and I'm going to be stressed out and have ice cream in my system. In light of that, in light of the fact that I can go to God when I'm stressed out, in light of the fact that food ultimately will not end my stress, I'm going to spend time praying, reading my Bible, being with God instead of eating ice cream. See, it's, it's a deep thing inside of us that we have to figure out. Why is it that I do the things I do? It's because I'm thinking certain things. And when the thoughts that control our behaviors are focused on God, our behaviors will change and we'll experience freedom. See, every choice, every behavior, every action starts with a thought. That's why Paul says, be transformed by changing what's going on in your minds. So we need to confess. We need to say what God says is true. And we find out what God says is true by reading the Bible and then doing what it says. And then we need to repent. We have to change the way that we think. And I want to give you one more thing that can ensure success or drastically increase your chances of success. And that is this. We need to take this journey together. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Solomon, and the Bible says he is the wisest man who ever lived. Outside of Jesus, Solomon is it. Solomon's the wisest guy ever. Now, if you could sit down with even a really wise person, maybe the top 100 wisest people that ever lived, if you could sit down with the top 100 people who ever lived and ask them, how can I succeed? Wouldn't you listen to what they had to say? Paul's the wisest guy who ever lived, and here's what he says about success. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good return on their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm, but how can one person keep warm by themselves? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And get this, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Here's the truth that Solomon would want us to know. We go further, faster, together. We succeed better with others. Society wants to lie to you and tell you that you are a mountain, that you are an island, that you can do it on your own. But the Bible has a different way, a better way of living. It's called community. The Bible says that you actually can't experience the, the lasting change that you want apart from other people. And next week is a must-attend week for two reasons. One, Ron's going to be up here, and he's going to be telling us what God says about our bodies so that we can change the way we think, so that we can change what we say, so that we can change our actions. You don't want to miss it. It's kind of the linchpin of this entire series. So that's the first reason why you got to be here next week. The second reason you need to be here next week is next week kicks off our Life Group Promotion Month. And if you're new to, to New Life, Life Groups are just groups of anywhere from 10 to 20 people who get together every week and they share life together and they explore some aspect of God and of faith and of what God is doing. They talk about it, they engage with each other, and they experience the life they were created to live. We're going to have, uh, I think, four different healthy living life groups, which is going to be really, really exciting. I'm excited about that, changing the way we think, changing the things we say so that we can change our lifestyle. 
Uh, we're going to have a, a group for anyone who's going on a mission trip to Mexico with us in 2013. We're going to have a group that really forms that, and, and I'm working on that stuff, and it's going to be really exciting. We have a ton, a ton of great groups. But here's what I want to say about groups. Groups only work if you're in them. They don't work if you don't go. That's kind of the, the whole point of, of community. Not for God. This is not something God wants from you. He doesn't want to take your Tuesday night away from you. He wants to give you community. He wants to give you chances to increase your success. He doesn't want to take anything. God's not about taking. God's about giving. So if you want to succeed this year, and I know you do, because who doesn't want to succeed in their life, in their finances, in their health, with their family, at their job? Who doesn't want to succeed? We all want to succeed in life. If you want to succeed this year, the key is not doing something different. The key is thinking something different. The key is being transformed by the renewing of our minds. The key to healthy living is thinking that you are worth being healthy. It's thinking that your family is worth you being healthy so that you can be here with them. I told you about those Connect cards a few minutes ago. I'd like for you to pull them out for a minute because the truth is, if we don't do anything with what we're hearing, with the stuff that's changing our thought process, we lose it. You got to use it or you lose it. So pull out those Connect cards. Make sure you have your name filled out on the bottom of it. By the way, if you're a guest, just give us as much information as you're comfortable with. We aren't going to abuse the information. We aren't going to sell it to anybody. We just want to connect with you. And we want to help you connect with God. For those of you who call New Life Home, just put your name on it. We have your information, but go ahead and put your name on that card. And on the back, it says, I want to apply today's sermon by, or apply today's teaching by. And there are a number of ways that we can apply the things we're learning so that they can sink in. So it goes from our head, from a change of thinking to a change of action. The first is this. I want to encourage everybody to be at New Life for this entire series. We really worked this together and strung it together so that if you miss a week, you really are missing out on something big. So you got to be here the whole time. And when you come for the series, I want to encourage you, open yourself up to allow God to change the way you think about your body, about food, about health. I know that God's been uh, really challenging me in this area, and I think he's got some good stuff for all of us. A second way to apply what we're learning is to join community, join a life group. Would you commit to being in a life group? If you're going to commit to being in a life group this spring, and here's the thing, you don't even know what all the life groups are, but it doesn't matter. Community will help you go further, faster. Community will help you succeed. If you want to commit to being in a life group, mark that down and I'll get you some special stuff this week. Uh, For some of us, if you're like me and you're a busy person, uh, this one's going to be key for you. It's tracking your habits, tracking your habits, because uh, maybe you're going so fast and so hard that you don't even know how many hours a night you're sleeping. I want you to start writing down how many hours a night you're sleeping or how many times a week you eat out or like me, how many times a week you eat vegetables. That number should be higher than the amount of times we eat out, by the way. Um, I'm learning. I'm learning. I, I didn't know that, but I'm learning. Or how about the amount of times we drink alcohol? Or soda. Soda, man, it's not good from what I'm told. I'm learning this stuff with you. How about the amount of cigarettes we smoke if you're a smoker? Here's why I'm saying this. Because if we don't write it down, then it's just kind of this nebulous thing. Oh, I don't go out that much. Oh, I don't, I don't eat that unhealthy. Oh, I exercise sometimes. 
And then we realize, oh, I haven't exercised once in the last five weeks. Oh, okay. That's something to look at. Oh, I ate at home once and I ate out five times for lunch. Oh, that's something to look at. Okay. But you aren't going to know unless you write it down. So for some of us, we need to actually make a list and you're going to keep it. I'm not going to put it up on the screens. I'm not going to ask you to have it. It's for you. What are some habits that you're in? How many times are you doing them? What's going on there? And then the next thing is actually taking it a little bit deeper. I'm going to spend some time trying to get to the root of why I do the things that I do. Get to the root of it. For me, that smoking one was a big one in my life. Why do I smoke? For some of us, it's going to be, why do I, I eat that food at that time? Why is it that I have that craving to go drink that thing or eat that thing? Or what is it that makes me not want to work out? What is it that makes me, I don't know. But you know what God's bringing up for you. Why do I, how about this one? This isn't even food related. Why do I always find myself yelling at my kids or my spouse? That's not just an action. There's something going on in here that makes us want to do that. And we got to spend some time really getting to the root of it. And then the last one is, is the biggest one. If you've never made a decision to give your life over to Jesus, today's the day to do that. Listen, he changes everything because the Bible says he comes and he lives inside of us. His spirit actually lives inside of us and transforms the way we think and forgives us from our sins, for the destructive patterns that we've had in our lives so that we can experience life with him, so we can come into relationship with the God who knows us and created us and loves us. I said earlier that God doesn't want to take something from you, and that's partially true and it's partially a lie. Because the truth is God wants to take everything from you. He wants to take your life from you. He wants to take your sin from you. He wants to take your pain from you. He wants to take those destructive things that you've done in your life from you. He wants to take your gifts from you and your talents and your abilities from you. And then he wants to reshape them and give them back to you so that you can live the life that you were created to live. But it's an all-in kind of life. It's a God, I say what you say. God, I think what you think kind of life. And if you've never made a commitment to give your life to God like that, an all-in commitment to God, I'm going to pray in just a second and you can make that decision. And if you make that decision, I want you to mark it on your card so we can be connecting with you this week. So would you join me as we pray? Lord, would you be showing us how to have lasting change in our physical bodies and in all areas of our life as our minds are transformed? As we say the things that you say, when we confess the things that you say, and as we think the things that you think, as we repent, would you help us to then do the things that you would call us to do and experience the change that you have for us? Holy Spirit, would you give us the strength and the courage to take the steps that we need to take in our thinking and in our action? And if you're here this morning and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, that all-in relationship that I'm talking about, I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and you can give your life to him completely. And you can invite him to live with you and his spirit to fill you and then to take this journey along with him. It's the best decision you could ever make, and it will form absolutely everything from here on out. So if you're ready to make that decision, if you're ready to commit yourself to God, you can pray this simple prayer. Either whisper it right where you are, or you can say it in your head. You say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to earth and lived a perfect life. And I believe that you died on a cross. And when you died on the cross, you actually took the penalty for my sin and that you 
open the door so that I could be forgiven and so that I could have a relationship with God. And today I say, yes, Lord. Yes, I want this relationship that you're offering to me. Yes, I want you to come and fill me with your Holy Spirit and forgive me of my sin and begin to transform my thinking as I walk on this journey with God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.